0: Good morning again, First Pres family. Hope each of you are doing well, and welcome to another episode of our midweek meditation. Uh, today, I've got James Heard here with me again, and we're gonna we're gonna do again what we've been trying out the past couple of weeks, which is just to have uh, more of a devotional conversation about some of the things that we've been reading in the FPO Bible reading plan. Today, here's what we want to do: uh, we want to weave together. A theme that we see in a couple of places uh, in our FPO Bible reading plan in the Old Testament and in the New Testament I know many of you are just reading the New Testament with us and that's great but if you've been following along in the Old Testament reading you know that we're we're just finishing up the book of Judges and the book of Judges is an an interesting uh, story or collection of stories for us that really highlight the time Uh, in Israel's history after uh, Joshua has led the people into Canaan. And then what we find at the beginning of 1 Samuel, uh, where Samuel anoints Saul as the first king. So these few centuries, these three and a half centuries or so, this is the time period that the judges is highlighting. And the thing that I want to pick up on, and that James is going to help us understand a little bit more here in a second, is in the latter half of the book, uh, the writer gives us this refrain over and over again as a commentary of sorts on what we see taking place. And if you're familiar with the book of Judges, you may remember this uh, this line. Uh, over and over again, the writer says, in those days there was no king in Israel and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Uh, and so James, how do we see that refrain There was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Help us just uh, flesh that out a little bit, why that is a great summary of what we see taking place in the book of Judges.
1: Yeah, I think you're exactly right. Knowing that that verse, that phrase is actually repeated probably five or six times. That's usually a clue when we're reading the Bible. Okay, that's pretty important. If that's repeated six or seven times, we need to think about the whole story in light of that verse. I had a professor who explained the book of Judges kind of comically as the toilet bowl of the Bible. Yeah. Uh, it's, you've got this judges cycle and so you've got story after story and they all feel like the exact same story where Israel has a pretty good leader, a good judge who is leading them and telling them about the law of God. And then that judge dies and they all go mess up about a generation later and they are far from the Lord. And then the Lord send someone into Israel to put some pressure on them and to shake up their life. And then they cry out to the Lord and he sends another judge to redeem them and to save them. And then he dies and then they all go back into whatever sin they were doing. And so you've got this cycle going around and around and around, getting lower and lower and lower, just like a toilet bowl. You could also maybe call it, I mean, it's this long story. And I think if you were to make a modern TV show out of the book of Judges, it would I mean, it would make Breaking Bad look tame where it's getting worse and worse. And the most heart wrenching stories are right at the end. Uh, these the stories that we're actually in this week about Micah and the Levite and about um, just the tribe of Benjamin and some really wretched things they do. They really kind of hit the nail on the head on some really unsettling things that mm. the people of God are doing. And, I mean, in this in this story in Judges 17, which is that first time you get that no king in Israel, everyone's doing what's right in their own eyes, there's not a single character who is doing a single thing right. They are all trying to worship God however they want by making carved images. You know, they should have learned that story with the golden calf. And there's a Levite who's supposed to be a priest, and he's just going wherever the money Goes wherever he can get paid the most is where he decides to be a priest, and it turns out that that guy is the grandson of Moses. Wow! So we're seeing the the people who should know better are doing whatever they want, and it is leading people into some really just wretched practices. Yeah, that's, there's there's no king.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think that's it, and that's why this refrain is so. Uh, It captures so well the essence of what's taking place that when God's people fail to live in light of the king, the Lord as their king, they end up doing what's right in their own eyes, which leads them into all kind of faithlessness. It leads Mm -hmm. them into wickedness and it leads them into idolatry. And I think the way we want to connect that thread this morning with what we've just begun reading in Matthew's gospel and even just connecting it to this season where we're moving into Advent, anticipating uh, the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, If you've been reading the New Testament with us, we've read the first couple chapters of Matthew. and, And I think where this connects explicitly is that Matthew Uh, from the very first verse, his intention uh, on one level is to say that Jesus Christ is the one true king who has come. I mean, in Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, he says, The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Mm. And so from the word go, Matthew is trying to tell us exactly who this Jesus is, exactly what this story is going to be about. And it's about Jesus. It's about God saving his people. It's about Jesus being the Christ, the long-awaited Messiah, the king Mm -hmm. over Israel. It's about Jesus, the son of David, the one who fulfills the promise uh, that God gave to David that one of his descendants will sit on the throne forever. It's about Jesus, the son of Abraham, the one who will ultimately be the blessing to all the nations. And so from the very beginning, we get this picture where Jesus is the king. So I think the connection for us is uh, that when we don't live in light of Jesus the King, we we also end up doing what's right in our own eyes. You know, even just connecting the same idea of Jesus being the King to Matthew chapter two, uh, it's that story uh, where the wise men come and they come to worship Jesus the King, and they come to they come to Jerusalem and they interact with Herod. And Herod's kind of figuring out who are you guys? What are you, what are you looking for? And the wise men say to Herod, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and we have come to worship him. Mm -hmm. And so you get this uh, contrasting picture of Herod, the king who is offended and afraid of the idea that there's another king who he'll have to submit to and won't let him do whatever he pleases and so he he radically tries to murder every uh, child every boy born in order to snuff out this king and on the other side you've got these other three wise men these rulers in their own sense who they respond rightly they come they come to bow down to Jesus his king they come to worship him they come to offer Gifts to him, and so I, I think one of the things we've got to say is that we're uh, we're not immune to what we see in the Book of Judges. Mm-hmm. Uh, that we too, at times, can uh, choose either uh, outwardly or subliminally to not live in light of Jesus as King, and when we do that, uh, we ultimately do what's right in our own eyes, and. Uh, that leads to wickedness, that leads to, um, that leads to rebellion and all kinds of sin. You know, I mean, even Paul's letter to the church in Corinth, in a sense, you could be well placed in the book of Judges, you know, a, a people who mm-hmm. are just not living in light of Jesus being the king and therefore getting themselves in in a heap of issues
1: that flow from
0: trying to rule over their own
1: lives. I almost think this story with Herod could be in the book of Judges, right? We've got this really vivid and, I don't know, we kind of know the story of Herod and how he goes and kills all of the children in Bethlehem. I mean, that's awful. Mm. This is a bad guy. That is one of the worst stories we have. And it's almost as if Matthew's trying to say, hey, we still need the king. Mm. We're still waiting. There are still bad things happening. And I'm just thinking about, as we're coming into the Advent season, what we're doing this next month as we are thinking about and waiting on the celebration of, of Christmas, of Christ's coming, we're waiting for the day when we celebrate, hey, the King has finally come. Mm. And that increases our longing for all of our life, where we should be waiting for when Jesus will come back, mm. when the King will come put all the nations under his feet, make all of the sad things become untrue. All of these things that we are waiting for, for Jesus to do, we get to wait for that. Mm. And we can either live as if there is no king and do whatever we want, or we can know, well, there's already a king. That's right. And he's already reigning. And one day he will come back and this world will be radically changed. It will be restored and redeemed and purified by fire. And all of these things are going to happen because Jesus, the king, is going to finish everything. I think we can. We need to be reminded of the fact that he is coming back so that we don't slip into this thought of, well, I, mean, I don't really see God. I don't know if Jesus is around, so I'm just going to do whatever I want. Right. I think that's such a dangerous temptation that we. I mean, we all fall into it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, even just um, the passages from the gospel accounts are coming up in my mind where Jesus's call to every one of his disciples, including us, is take up your cross, deny yourself, Mm -hmm. (laughs) quit doing what's right in your own eyes (laughs) and follow me as your king. And I know one of the one of the temptations that I face at times is to doubt that following Jesus as king is actually best for me. And I think what we see in the life of Christ and what the scriptures testify to over and over again is that Jesus being the king and people submitting to and living in light of Jesus being the king is actually the best thing. Jesus isn't like any earthly king that ultimately is about Um, you know, using his own power to subject people and to use people for whatever ends he sees. Jesus is the king who lays down his life for his rebellious people Mm -hmm. rather than letting the sword, in a sense, fall upon us for our treason. He takes our punishment upon himself. I mean, the scriptures are full uh, of these images of the kind of king that Jesus is. He's the good shepherd that lays down his life for the sheep. He's... Uh, the one that leads us beside still waters. I mean, that promise from Psalm 23 that His goodness and His mercy will follow us all the days of our lives. And so I think just a reminder for us during this season that uh, not only is Jesus king, but that it's good for us to submit to Jesus as king. He's the one that knows how this game works. He's the one that leads us into flourishing. And I think there's a sense of which the end of the story that we see in the book of Revelation is that when Jesus comes back and his kingdom is fully set up, you could almost mirror the tagline from the book of Judges and say that there is a king in Israel. There's a king over all the earth, the Lord Jesus Christ. And everybody does not do what was right in their own eyes. They do what's right in the eyes of the king. And then what we could say the result of that is not these cycles of sin and brokenness In wickedness but when everybody does what's right in the eyes of the king then there's flourishing all of creation flourishes when Jesus Christ is king so I think as we wrap up this morning just the encouragement for each of us is just the reminder that we have a king it's the Lord Jesus Christ and that he has come and what we're doing during this month is we're remembering that reality we're resting in that reality and even as James has said, we're, we're longing, not for his first coming, that's happened. Uh, we're longing for his second coming when he'll come and he'll put everything right. And so we pray that this Advent season uh, is one that's blessed by the Lord, where the Spirit ministers to each of you in special ways. It reminds you that your King, who is coming back for you even right now, is at the Father's right hand, that he's praying for us. And so we can remember that and we can rest in that. Hope you guys have a great rest of your week. Until next time, see ya.